Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Wow, just amen, huh? I, I tell you, the first part of the service, I think, proves the point of the second part of the service, and that is our, our soul needs to think on heaven. There's a lot to grieve. There's a, a lot to hurt. There's a lot to be frustrated by in this world, and that, that doesn't ever stop. We're not going ref- to fix that. We're not going to make that go away. And, and our ability to process this and work through it and endure is, is heaven. Amen? You know, Dale mentioned a moment ago about the, the losses we've seen in our church family over the last year, of, year or two. Of course, the, Friday, it's been one year since Buddy Ham passed. And, uh, you, you know, we, we miss. Uh, some of us miss him dearly and miss his daily presence in our lives. But the joy and, and the peace and the ability to move forward is to think about what he's enjoying today. And to think about people he's impacted that either are now or will one day enjoy what Buddy is enjoying today. Heaven gives our ability to process all that. And as we think on Friday being one year since Buddy passed, Friday was when Lenny Nugent passed, another great saint in our church family, a long time, uh, led the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, in our in our community, and uh, man, I, you know, we miss him being around here. But I enjoy where he is, and I celebrate what he is, what he's seeing, what he's enjoying right now. Death is an awful monster that never stops, but God says, "I have an answer. I have an answer for you." You know, in in just the last four weeks, uh, four weeks ago. On a Saturday, I I buried an 11-year-old. The very next Saturday, I buried a 91-year-old. And and a buddy, a Lenny, fall right in between that. that. Death is on a march, and it comes for everybody. And there's no promise of age or circumstances or anything like that. And what we're going to spend a couple of months here thinking on and, and celebrating and drawing strength and wisdom from is that God has an answer for this. And I know that many of us, man, we, we believe in heaven, we believe in hell. We're, we're excited in this series because we, we get to discuss things we like looking at and talking about. We have some questions. We maybe want to see how the pastor's going to deal with this or answer that. And, and so we can get kind of excited talking about heaven and hell. But you know, even as I say that, you know, it's, it's legitimate, it's fair to be sitting in here right now and thinking, what, we're, seriously, we're going to talk about heaven and hell when it costs $60 to fill up my gas tank? And we're actually celebrating that because it's down? Uh, you know, I, I, we're going to talk about heaven and hell when things are so frustrating at home right now. Things are so wrong at home right now. We're, we're going to talk about heaven and hell when our, our kids are one to two years behind now after COVID in their education on average. Gosh, I hope we spent millions of dollars coming up with that conclusion because, you know, that just wouldn't be obvious. Did you hear this week? 50 and 30 year lows in reading and math across America. 
And, but we're going to talk about heaven and hell. Hey, we're talking about heaven and hell when and, and when does the list end of things that comes next? Things that are more pressing needs, things that are more pressing issues. Listen, heaven and hell, we want, we believe in that and that's wonderful and we draw hope from it. But my goodness, if you knew what I was dealing with right now, I came to church today hoping to hear a word from the Lord, maybe get some kind of direction on how I go home and navigate this. But no, we're going to daydream about heaven and hell. Well, I think I might suggest that it is a focus on a clarity and understanding a conviction about heaven and hell that will help you, guide you, motivate you to navigate the very things you're dealing with this week. As a matter of fact, it may be the thing you're missing in navigating those things. You know, another reason we need to think on heaven and hell, whether it's in a a series of six, seven, eight messages, or whether it's just one message, or whether you pick up a book periodically and read something about a heaven or a hell, we need to kind of keep going by this because our the way you and I think as humans, there seems to be a real disconnect from what Jesus actually said about heaven and hell. And I, and I get this, I, I looked at, I saw an article uh, from the LA Times. Now it's an old article, it's back in 2003, but I don't, I don't think things would change that much. But in 2003, this article was about a poll. This poll showed something kind of interesting. They ended up writing an article about it. And this poll said that for every one American that believes they're going to hell, 120 think they're going to heaven. Now, is that not a disconnect from what Jesus said? Right now, you might be thinking, oh, well, what did Jesus say? Well, he said for every one person going to heaven, there's 120 going to hell. Now, all of you should be thinking right now, where, where, did, he, where did he say that? I don't remember him saying that. <laughs> okay, that's not exactly what he said. But look what he said. Matthew chapter 7, enter by the narrow gate. The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. The gate to destruction, the gate to hell is populated with the the many. Okay, how does he finish this idea? For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Now, I don't know what the ratio is, 1 to 120 or something else. But I know there's a a few and, and there's a many. And so there seems to be a disconnect between what Jesus said and how we think about ourselves as humanity. It just seems like this might be a place we want to get a clarity. We want to get some understanding. Because every one of us, every one of us in here, online, everyone everywhere, everyone that has ever lived, is going to spend forever and ever very much breathing, thinking, feeling, experiencing in one of two places, a heaven or a hell. That, that's what God said. Now, I know some might say probably not a lot in here, maybe a few. But there, the churches are filled with people who would hear that statement and say, well, that's your interpretation. No, it's not. 
No, I, I get it. Even in the topic of heaven and hell, inside of that, yeah, there can be some issues where, hey, I'm understanding it this way and you're understanding it that way. And, and there might be, well, I, you know, some interpretive issues or other areas of the faith. This is not one of them. For, for those that would say in the church, we're not talking about the world, in the church, I, I, I'm not sure I believe there's a hell. Okay, that's not an interpretive issue. That's you rejecting what God has said. Well, you know, okay, maybe there's some hell like, you know, for the really, 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 really. I mean, how many reallys do we need to feel good about ourselves? The really, really bad. But you know, I mean, I mean ultimately, God's, God's love. I mean, God's loving, right? So he's going to save Everybody. Okay, that's not an interpretive issue. That's you rebelling and rejecting what God has plainly said. We can't just dismiss everything by saying that's your interpretation. I mean, let, let, let's let God speak. It's an idea. Turn with me to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. I'm going to read two passages. And these two passages are representative of dozens, if not well over a hundred passages communicating these very ideas. Matthew 25, about 80% of the way through the Bible, first book in your New Testament, right after Malachi, before Mark and Luke, if you're scrolling through your phone right now or flipping pages in the Bible, that's where you're aiming. Matthew 25. Now, I'm going to start a very long passage. I'm not going to read the entire passage. I'm going to read the first few verses at the beginning and the one at the end, and I'll explain what's happening in the middle. I encourage you to read all of it. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. That's a promise. We we all believe that, right? A lot of us believe that. Jesus is coming back and he's going to sit on a throne. Amen? Now what happens next? Okay, well, Jesus, this is Jesus talking. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as the shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Okay, now, the first few verses are telling us what is going to happen. The middle verses are telling us why. Why why did we end up with these two groups? Why was one put over here and one put over here? And then the last verse, which I'm going to jump down and read, is saying, and then where does it all end up? Where do we go next after this? Verse 46, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Two groups of people, two places. Let's go to the end of the Bible. Go to maps, index, wherever wherever the end is, and then back up a few pages. And look at Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Let me begin in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. 
And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Now, it says the dead here, that's a group of people. They are spiritually dead, but physically very much alive. Spiritually, they are separated from God. They do not have that relationship, and so they are called the dead. We'll see this more as we go through this in these couple of months. So the, 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 the dead are alive. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Twenty, Chapter 21, verse 1. Dale read this a moment ago. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. I, I don't know, it just seems like a plain, natural reading of what God is saying makes it really clear there's two groups of people and there's two places. It, it, am I the only one seeing that? Does that seem kind of clear? You know, we'll, we'll, we'll unwrap this some more. You know, as I read that, I mean, these are, again, this is a big topic and things we imagine and think on periodically. When I read that, what word stood out to you? What idea, what image did you grab as it goes by? Did you see the fire? Is that what's kind of, hey, I'd like to, you know, heaven? You saw heaven or thinking about it? judgment? What, what, I mean, there's a lot of ideas going on here in just a simple statement. There's a heaven and a hell. There's a lot of things happening. You know, for me, I think a couple words stand out. The first word is eternal. Eternal. And that word stands out to me because it describes both places. It describes both people. You know, you'll hear some people say, well, I, you know, I just, I just don't get the idea of eternal punishment. That can't really be the case. I don't believe that's what God will do. So they just kind of dismiss it and make it sound like that just goes away at some point. But it was described by eternal. Well, it doesn't mean eternal. Well, wait a minute. Now you've got a problem with heaven because it was described as eternal. So whatever we're enjoying and celebrating about that in heaven, the same word is used with, with hell and with the people there. It, 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 listen, there is a forever Gosh, you know, I can't help when I think about that at wondering how many times does my life look so incredibly foolish to the Lord? Because I will forsake eternal values a thousand times for the value of the moment right in front of me. And, you know, I'm not, not a bit embarrassed saying that in front of you because you're all just as bad. Let me be a good bit worse, really honestly, if I'm being... No, we, we all do. And there's a reason. We're prone to do this because what's in front of me seems so very real. 
And while I, I would say, you would say, oh, I believe in eternity, I, I believe in forever, but honestly, as we're working our way through a Monday afternoon, it doesn't seem as real as what is scaring me, making me mad, frustrated, as what's right in front of me. It, it just doesn't seem as real. But there is a forever You know, the other word that stands out here or the idea that stands out in these passages is that that whole separation. There there clearly is a separating that that is going on. You know, have you ever been in a group, and we all have, have you ever been in a group and the the teacher, the the boss, the coach stands up and says, okay, I'm going to break everybody into, you know, pick a number, three groups, four groups. You know, I'm going to break everybody into a group. Boy, that next few seconds is kind of anxious, isn't it? Every single one of us is, gets, gets a little anxious when somebody's like, we're going to break everybody into a group. Because, you know, the group I get put in can determine my happiness or my comfort or my success. So, oh my gosh, which, 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 which group am I going to be put in? And there's a few anxious seconds there. Well, gosh, if that's true, wow. <laughs> what is this moment like? Jesus is a group. We're going to put everybody in two groups. <gasps> I don't think there'll be any anxiety at all in that moment. Excitement, fear and anger, but not anxiety. And I'm defining anxiety as what's about to happen is really important to me and I don't know what's about to happen. That's, that's being anxious, right? Okay, well, I can go to a lot of passages that would suggest that when God's doing this judgment, he's, he's not looking at you going, oh my gosh, they're right on the line. Hey, Jesus, you want to do an instant replay here and tell me what you're seeing? Because this is, oh, okay. Woo, gosh, that was, that was so anxious. I think that's how a lot of us think the judgment's going to play out, and you couldn't be further from understanding how the judgment's going to play out. What we're going to find the judgment to be is not, to find out the choice of the group God's putting us in, the judgment is acknowledging the group we put ourselves in. The group that we chose. So there, there's no anxiety. Fear and anger? Yeah. Excitement? Yeah. But not, not anxiety. And what we've got here is God giving us a lot of information, a lot of passages, basically trying to speak into your life today with gas prices and problems and everything going on. And he's trying to say, hey, there's a forever you really, really want. And there is a forever that should horrify you. And this really is forever. Everything we're dealing with may be horrible. It's a moment. Somewhere we got to look up and deal with more than just the moment. And again, I I really believe while God is a, a God who reveals, he wants us to have information. He wants us to understand what's out there, what's coming. But he, it's it's God that kind of brings it all the way back to today and to the very issues you are dealing with and saying, that's what's going to give us wisdom, motivation, whatever we need to navigate this. But see, you and I aren't thinking on that, so I don't have that way to to navigate. Listen to how God says this. Turn If you're in Revelation still, just go a few pages to the left. You'll go through Jude and, and a couple small letters to John, and then you'll get to Peter. 
Second Peter chapter three, and let me begin at verse eight. Second Peter chapter three, verse eight. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord's not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. He's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. It will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things will be dissolved, or are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be? Since you know all these things, what ought you to do about that very thing that's bothering you in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of our God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promises, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you were waiting for these things, since you know these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish. That's how you handle that this week, without spot or blemish, and at peace. I love that last word, and at peace. Now, the, the passage I just read is not about heaven and hell. It's actually about the five seconds before heaven and hell. It's about the events and the moments that are leading up into humanity entering a, a heaven or a hell. So it's, it's not about heaven or hell, but it's about the end and how it all plays out and we get there. And so we'll look at verse 11 again. What does it say there? Since you know these things... You know, that applies to you. You know this. And you say, well, I'm not clear about some things, or I've got a lot of questions. That's fine. Hey, you know there's a heaven. You know there's a hell. You know there's a judgment. And you need to know that and think on that as you're deciding what you're going to do next tomorrow in that situation, responding to that person. You see, that's, that's what God's idea is here. Hey, you know these things, so act like it. And, and I love that last word, peace. Hey, since, since you know, hey, I, I know there's a glorious eternity. I know Jesus made a home for me, like with me in mind, not just, hey, I've got a place for you when you get here. He made a home with me in mind. Hey, I know that truth is going to be known. I know that justice is going to be done. Sometimes it happens here, and it's usually not all the way, is it? And sometimes it doesn't happen at all. But I know justice will be done. And since I know all this, peace. Yeah, there are absolutely some things going on today, this week, the balance of this year that can cause me some real anxiety, some real fear, some real worry. Yeah, the moment can create that, but my forever gives me peace. I anchor to the forever. I survive and work through the moment. And of course, it's not just that God wants me to have peace that there is that direction. I mean, he says very clearly there in verse 11, since you know these things, holiness. 
So, so let's go back to how we started. So I've got a, a boss that's betrayed me or a marriage that I'm struggling with or a friend, a, a, a friend that is, you know, not being my friend and, and we can go on and on. Hey, I've got a big decision to make and I don't, I don't know what the right thing or the wrong thing to do is. All, all these questions that we have and God says, hey, knowing what you know as you need to navigate that this week, holiness well, what's holiness? What, what does it mean to be holy in that? Well, I've got to, I've got to go to God and His Word. And I gotta find out what does a holy path look like through anger? What does a holy path look like through disappointment? What does a holy path look like through opportunity and excitement? What is the holy path? And all of a sudden I realize, hey, you know what? Because there's a heaven and a hell, there clearly is something more going on in this moment than just my happiness. Now, we're not downgrading happiness. Hey, I got good news for you. There's nobody more concerned about your happiness than God. You are not more concerned about your happiness than God. You are not protecting and choosing happiness the way God is providing for you to choose and protect your happiness. God cares about your happiness. But folks, the fact that something is meaningful or important does not always mean it's the only thing we're guided by. That it's the only priority that we have. As a matter of fact, when I choose holiness, guess what? Sometimes holiness isn't just a lot of fun. Sometimes holiness is absolutely the hard path to take. Why would I do that? <laughs> you know, I, folks, I, I think sometimes we, we act like it's, you know, all of life is just this big, huge mystery, and I don't know what God wants me to do. I, I don't know about you. I, I think most of the time we do know what God wants us to do. We just don't want to do it. I don't, I don't want to do the holy path. I, I, don't, I don't want to pay that cost. Heaven and hell seems to say, hey, there's something bigger. There's something more important. There's a reason you choose holiness in the moment and the happiness for eternity. And I actually think happiness works out in the moment a good many times too. Not often right away. You know, folks, I, I think... I think thinking rightly and accurately about heaven and hell, it's not one of them, it's both of them. They, they go together. To, to understand one, you need to understand the other. I, I think to think rightly and accurately about heaven and hell really has some profound fruit in our lives. I think one, I think it really helps us focus on our choices. You're going to make choices this week. You're going to make some big choices. You'll make some little choices that you'll never even think about again. But heaven and hell says, hey, my choices mean something. Hey, there's a consequence. Doesn't heaven and hell say, hey, there clearly is a consequence to all this. Again, how foolish we must look. We make, we, we make so many choices with no thought of consequences. I'm talking about current in the moment consequences, much less thinking about eternal consequences. I, I would dare say we live in a culture today It's almost offended by the idea of consequences because the only thing that's important is my happiness. And if this makes me happy, then so be it. Even if I decide that what I chose to make me happy, I, I learned a year from now, that didn't really work. 
That wasn't the right thing. But still in that moment, it was happy. So no consequences. Well, I, you know, you leave here with only one thought. Heaven and hell are profoundly screaming into your life and my life. Hey, there's a consequence. I, I, I think heaven and hell help us to focus our beliefs. I'm not just talking about whether I choose to be Christian or Jewish or Muslim or, or Hindu or, or atheist. Uh, yeah, certainly those things. I think it helps us, though, to think about beliefs in a broader term. Why do I believe what I believe? Behind every choice you make this week, there's a belief system. You believe something about relationships. You believe something about money. You believe something about sex and sexuality. Behind everything you're doing, there's a belief. And what you do is based on that belief. Well, I think the fact there's a heaven and hell, I'd want to, I'd want to say, hey, where, why do I believe what I believe? Why do I value what I value? Why am I making these decisions I'm making? You know, this seems so big. Uh, I hope so. I heard, I saw on TikTok, I I think I want to be more certain than that. And by the way, that's not to say there can't be a communication of truth in I heard or I hope so or TikTok. But as big as this is, I I don't want to just hope, I want to know. I, I think the presence of heaven and hell helps us focus our attitude. Our attitude about life and everything happening in it. You know, we, we live in a culture of death. If you're not, if you don't know what that is or you don't know why I'm saying that, I'd be happy to explain it later. Just come and ask me. We live in a culture of death. And you wonder, how did we get there? Well, I wonder if it's because for the last 50, 75 years, we have grown really proficient in saying, you came from nothing and you're returning to nothing. Now, go have fun. Go find meaning and purpose in life's events when you're surrounded by nothingness. Well, what is the reason I would do anything right? Well, you know, because the common good. I mean, hey, listen, we all do better when we all do better, right? What does that mean? I think I'd do better if I shoot you. How's that? I mean, if I came from nothing and I'm going to nothing, make the argument why I can't just decide to shoot you. I'll decide what the value of your life is. What difference does it make? Hey, if I'm wrong, what difference does it make? Well, you know, we say, oh, well, that's not all that. Yeah, I believe in God, you know, but, you know, life seems kind of random. You know, just waiting for the next hit. No, heaven and hell tell me it's not random. It's not cyclical. We're moving toward a point. I didn't come from nothing, and I'm not returning to nothing. And I am moving in a linear fashion through history and humanity. And there is an end designed with meaning and purpose. And so now, all of a sudden, because of the reality of that, I can come back into today and say, hey, what might be the meaning and purpose God is doing in this as we move? toward this. You know, I think the belief in in heaven and hell, the knowledge of heaven and hell, man, that that helps me focus my hope. Gosh, we put our hope in a lot of things, don't we? Man, I I hope it's going to be good weather this weekend because I sure spent a lot of money on those tickets and the three-night minimum stay at the hotel. And I, boy, I hope we're going to win. 
I feel sorry for all the Aggies, all that money, all those hotels to go watch App State. Did you, did you know we paid App State $1.5 million to come beat us? I digress. But you do. You put all that money and time into something. How do you not? Hey, I, I, I hope I'm going to get a good report from the doctor. Who's, who doesn't want that hope? Who doesn't have that hope? Who cannot be not consumed by that hope? Hey, I, I, you know, I, I hope my child's going to get this or, or be able to experience that. Or I, I, just, I can go on and on and on, right? You get it. We, we have all kinds of hopes. And I, that's good. That's fine. Of course we're going to go through this life. But you know what you and I have done? Is we have married our emotional and mental health to all of these hopes. And so some of these hopes, yay, we won, and it was beautiful weather, and sometimes it rains and we lose. And so what are we doing? We're just riding a roller coaster our whole life. Ah, I got my hope. Ah, my hope was crushed. Ah, I got my hope. Ah, my hope was crushed. And you know what? Every now and then, you and I are living where, man, it's 51 to 49 hopes being crushed and winning. And guess what happens? We start really living living empty and nervous. you got to remember, as, as right as it is, as normal as it is to hope in these things, folks, God did not make a promise about your team. He did not make a promise about the weather this week. Hey, here's a hard one. He didn't even make a promise about the report coming from the doctor. He didn't make a promise about that. What he did promise is there's a forever. What he did promise is there's a glorious future. So while I, my heart and soul tend to run after a thousand different hopes, boy, I've got to remind myself to anchor to the hope, the hope that's a promise, the hope I can count on, or I'm just taking myself mentally and emotionally on a, on a roller coaster. You know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, folks, is it's just that this all matters, that's what heaven and hell say. That this all, it all, it matters. It matters what I do and what I don't do. It matters what I value and I don't value. It matters what I believe and, and what I don't believe. Man, this all matters. It matters tomorrow. It matters Thursday afternoon. It, it, it matters. And so we're going to remind ourselves or maybe learn new for the first time about heaven and hell so we can properly apply that to the motivation, to the encouragement that we need as we walk through all these things that matter. You know, I I, I would step out on a limb here and I would say most of us, I won't put a number or percentage on it, most of us most of our thoughts about heaven and hell are wrong. They're wrong. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Mine are right. Just FYI. Yours? Nah, not so much. You know, why is that? Folks, you, I, I, every one of us, we have thoughts about heaven and hell that didn't come from Scripture and sometimes are absolutely the opposite of what Scripture says. But that's, that's the image we have. Who knows where we got it? We have thoughts and ideas about heaven and hell that, that, are, that are wrong, that are, that are not clear. 
So that, that's why we do this. We want to we be clear. We want to be convictional. Hey, what makes hell, hell? Is it just fire? Is that it? What makes heaven, heaven? Gosh, I'm, I'm being told hope in heaven. That's our, our great hope. But boy, it's hard to hope in something that you, you can't. What is it? I mean, we're, sometimes we're told it's a spiritual place, or it's a mystical place, or it's, a, it's, a, it's, 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 it's cloudy. That's the word, isn't it? It's cloudy. You know, I, I survived this world, and one day God will say, come on in, and I get to go sit on a cloud forever and ever. I don't, I don't know if I want to sit on a cloud forever and ever. I mean, I guess better than the fire. But is that what we're doing? Do I choose the fire or sitting on it? Hey, you know what? All that confusion is not because of God's lack of clarity. And that's what we're going to try to do. Some of us, it's going to be remembering and reminding. Some of us, maybe it's learning new for the first time. But we want to think rightly and accurately on heaven because it has a profound impact on our motivation and our encouragement, and our endurance, and our survival in the moment. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 21, Blessed are you who weep now. Are you weeping right now? I'm sure not all of us are, not right at the moment. I'm also sure there's people who've wept this week, whether that included physical tears or just what's going on inside your heart. The state of a child, the state of your marriage, the state of the world, the state of your own inability to fix it, your your inability to find a way through it, you're weeping right now. Blessed are you who weep now. For you shall laugh. What is heaven? It's where we never weep again. And where the laughter is forever. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the hope, the promise that why there are very real things going on in my life or our lives that would lead to that weeping, that grief. God, I thank you for the, the promise that the laughter is what's forever, not the weeping. Father, I, I would lift up this series. I ask your blessing on it. it, it continue to shape and guide the messages, where they need to go, what they need to say for the well-being of this family. And and Lord, gosh, there's, there's so many of us here. And in each of our lives, there's so many issues. There's so many things going on. I thank you that I, I can lift that all up to you because you can... You can see all of it. You see each one of us. You see each of our issues and what we're dealing with. And Father, I pray you will use what we learn about heaven and hell. And you will, you will help us apply it. You will help it land in our heart and soul. And God, it will be what you intended for it to be. That, that very real motivation and guidance and wisdom to work through today's issues. 
God, thank you for giving this to us. Thank you for letting us know. I pray I would act like it. I pray we would act like we know. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.